friends, uh, welcome to another in the series. Tell me what it is. That's the one. So this is about part eight in the series. We only have one more to go, which will be next week. And uh, today my topic is spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Um, really, because God is the one who imparts the spiritual gifts, and, of course, that's a foundation he is wanting us to build from. So, of course, this is very central to the journey of looking at spiritual, of looking at spiritual foundations. Uh, let me start with this scripture here, 1 Corinthians 7.7. 7. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. You notice the Apostle Paul has made it clear that his conviction is that God has endowed spiritual gifts to everyone. There's not this idea that, oh, there's some really gifted people and other people seem to have missed out. Actually, no. God has blessed everyone with spiritual gifts. And there's a whole range of them. And we're going to explore one passage in this particular message. But, for instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are two quite long lists of spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4. There are five spiritual gifts mentioned. Some people call them the offices of or the um, fivefold ministry gifts. And Romans 12, we're going to look at seven spiritual gifts from that passage today. Now, um, one of the things that I'm going to have handed out at the end of this service, because I'm only covering seven gifts today, there's well over 20 mentioned in the Bible. This is a spiritual gifts questionnaire. So at the end of this message, um, we're going to hand these out to everyone. And what I'd like you to do over the next week, take it away, fill them in, and it'll give you some guidance as to what your spiritual gifts are. Um, And so at the end of it, you tally up your score and you discover, okay, I'm strong in these areas, I'm weak in these areas. It gives you some idea. It doesn't tell the whole story, but it's a really useful practice. I, I do this every couple of years or so. And it does change, actually. As you journey through life, it's not always the same scores. Um, So fill that in this week, bring it back next week, and we'll be looking at it further next week. It tells us in 1 Peter 4.10, Each of you should use whatever spiritual gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So really what it's saying there is not enough just to know about spiritual gifts, but the expectation is that we... Use them to serve others. It says in 1 Corinthians 14.1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. I can still remember as a new Christian, um, I was sometimes told by more than one person, it's not up to us to ask God for spiritual gifts. He'll give us what he chooses to give. But actually, looking at that scripture, that's not strictly true. It says we should eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And of course, our prayers, we read enough in in the Psalms about praying with the desires of our heart, which tells me that actually, if we are thinking in terms of, hey, there's a real need in the church or in some outreach ministry for a particular gift, nothing wrong with the saying, God, bless me with this gift. Now, ultimately, it's going to be his call but I actually think um, this, this scripture telling us we should eagerly desire spiritual gifts, I think you should pray for them. I remember one of the ones that I prayed for as a relatively new believer was the gift of healing. And that didn't seem to come. But then every so often I found over the years 
God releases that gift over my life. And I've seen some incredible miracles happen. It doesn't happen all the time, but every so often, there it is. People being healed one after another. And it's, my goodness, it's amazing. But obviously, as we seek to be useful to God, opening our hearts to be used however he calls us, that puts us in the right position to say, I'm willing, Lord, whatever you want to do. 2 Timothy 1.6 says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. See, not enough just to use your gifts a bit. What the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy there is let those spiritual gifts that have been imparted into your life fan into flame. Let them be alive and powerful. You know, Rick Warren, um, who is... Uh, a guy who's got um, literally thousands of people using their spiritual gifts in his church, um, he says this, the best way to discover spiritual gifts is to start serving God in a variety of ministries. And so although filling out these sort of things is really useful, um, actually just having a crack at things is often how you discover your gifts. I remember for myself as a new believer, uh, there were various needs in the church, and I just got involved in a whole variety of ways. One of the things I learned was I was rubbish at teaching kids' church. Rubbish. <laughs> so I stopped doing that after a year or so. But I discovered other areas where I had some strengths and started to develop you know, um, those spiritual gifts that God seemed to have blessed, blessed me with. It tells us in Romans 12.6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith or in accordance with your faith. Um, we're now in a passage which will ex where we're, we're going to explore seven different spiritual gifts. The first of these is prophecy. Number one, prophesying. And uh, the interesting thing about this gift, in all the major lists, it's the only gift that's mentioned every single time. Obviously, God sees it as an important gift. Um, it mentions there something about faith. We've got to use it in accordance with faith. And I would suggest that in conjunction with operating with that prophetic edge and when God gives you insights, faith is very key in this gift being released. The Greek word here is prophetia. And um, the Greeks, it generally meant a foreteller or an inspired speaker. For us today, um, how we would look at the definition of the spiritual gift, it's the ability to publicly communicate God's word in a spirit-led way that convinces the wider community of God's reality and both challenges and inspires believers. Or a briefer definition, the ability to persuasively declare God's will. You notice the gift that it, it operates both with the unchurched and the churched. And there is that prophetic edge. I actually, I'll be frank, Billy Graham, even though he has the gift of an evangelist, I also think he had the gift of the prophet. And he would have these moments in a lot of his sermons where you could tell God had just inspired him to say something right there and then, and it impacted that cluster of people. Um, and so it, it's, it's both a gift that works with those who are not used to church and those within the church. Um, and, of course, uh, it's often connected with preaching. So it's, it's, um, I'm going to talk a little about teachers in the moment, but a lot of people who are more have a preaching gift, the prophetic edge is often in that, uh, that calling. Now, you might be thinking, how am I going to remember all these definitions? So definitions for every gift is also a part of this. 
1 Corinthians 14.3 says this, But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So that scripture mentions three different ways God uses the gift. First of all, strengthening. I think of some of the, the great prophets of the scriptures. might be Elijah, John the Baptist, Jesus himself. And you think often in that strengthening process, they would preach a challenging word and people, the, the weaknesses in people's lives were often exposed. And repentance would happen and the believer would be strengthened because of that. It also mentions the area of comfort and encouragement. Um, now, so often a prophetic word in season can either bring that sense of comfort where you might have need, and I think that this is a time with everything we've been through in Melbourne, a time where that prophetic word can bring a sense of God still on the throne. You know, um, the Lord is, um, none of this has taken the Lord by surprise. He knows what he's doing and he's there for us. Or it might be that word of encouragement, you know, just around the corner, God has got some awesome stuff planned for your life, you know. You get the idea. A very important gift within the body of Christ. Um, now, I know that in some of the more conservative churches, they'll often say, hey, yeah, but isn't this a dangerous gift? Because in the Old Testament, if the prophet spoke, then you just got to do it. So if you start acknowledging prophets within the church, and you know this prophet has this word to the church, we just got to all get up and do it. Or to an individual, well, I've just got to do that because the prophet spoke. Well, actually, no, the New Testament does give guidelines as to how it operates. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. So here, speaking to the Corinthian church, which it seems they probably had as part of their church service an open portion of the service where there was some room for leading in prayer and giving a prophetic word, that sort of thing. And Paul here gives some guidelines. He says, well, there shouldn't be more. There's not just one prophet. That's kind of, that's, that's a bit weird. And rather, he's saying there'll be two or three should speak. And what do, they, what do people do? They then weigh carefully what is said. That's the New Testament guidelines of how the gift operates. Well, let's move on to another one. Romans 12, 7. If it is serving, then serve. The spiritual gift of service, number two. The Greek word here is diakonia, diakonia. Of course, we get our word deacon from it. Sometimes it's translated attendant, aid, relief, or as here, service or serving. Let me give you a definition of how the gift operates. The ability to recognize unmet needs in the church family and take the initiative to provide practical assistance quickly, cheerfully, and without the need for recognition. Um, servers are practical people. They spot needs and they see those needs met. Uh, we, we had a bunch of people here at the church. Uh, Benjamin was uh, last week. He's going around cleaning and sterilizing everything. Just, um, la, uh, just a few days ago, it was uh, Marlene and Mareka were doing the same thing. We're all serving heart in these people, you know, and uh, the church, you know, it's God's house. We should be looking after it, it should be presentable. It tells us in Acts 6 1 through 4. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of God's word. 
Now, you understand the scenario, there's a, there's a kind of a pastoral slash practical need. Um, some widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Um, rightly so, Peter says, hey, you know, we've, we've got to remain, as apostles, we've got to remain focused on our primary calling, the 12 apostles, um, because they ran church services every morning of the week in Jerusalem, big church, thousands strong. Um, and he's saying, okay, well, we, we're going to remain focused on teaching the word and preaching the gospel and our prayer ministry. You need to organize some people to do this. And so seven people are selected, and they're going to meet the need. They're going to meet the need of, of making sure that these, um, these uh, widows who are being neglected, they'll get their practical hats on, make sure that food is there and available for them, an act of service. It's also got that pastoral care aspect to it as well, hasn't it? Passage goes on to say, Acts 5, 6, This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and also uh, Philip, rather. We've got a blue tongue called Phyllis. I just say that all the time. (laughs) But no, no, Philip, I meant to say. A bunch of others. We know two of these guys. Stephen, uh, we discover later, he has a real preaching gift too. This guy is actually the first martyr. We have quite a big chunk of one of the messages that he preached, clearly a preaching gift as well as this gift of service. And Philip, we discover he has a real gift of evangelism. He goes and preaches the gospel in Samaria, sees a bunch of people come to faith in Christ. Never think in terms of a gift. God generally blesses people with several gifts. Uh, look at Acts 6, 7 to 8. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. You got the idea? As people were positioned in their spiritual gifts, in this case a bunch of people taking on that role of, uh, of diaconia, uh, the, the service role in the church, so then the church grew. As people stand up, responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit or possibly something really practical like this. You fill it in, you think, hey, actually, I didn't realise I had these gifts. Step up and start using them so the church grows. Looking here at another gift, Romans 12.7, if it is teaching, then teach. The Greek word here is didasko, didasko, meaning literally to teach. I remember uh, Tim Dyer, he was a lecturer at Bible college, and when he was explaining the meaning of this word, he said it's a little bit different to the, the prophet preaching type of gift. Uh, Didasco has contained within its meaning not only the kind of explaining and expounding of God's word, but it has contained within its meaning discussion. Doesn't it sound like a small group leader? You know, so it's the teaching ability, but it also includes leading or facilitating discussion. Let me give you the uh, description of this gift in operation. The ability to educate God's people by clearly explaining and applying the Bible in a way that causes them to learn. The ability to equip and train other believers for the ministry. Now, all of us know what it is to sit in class at school and be bored because the person who has a degree in education doesn't have a gift in teaching. There is a difference. You can get all the education you want but not necessarily have a gifting in that area. But we also know what it is to, um, well, I, th- I think sit under a teacher at school or at university and, mate, 
They're really interesting. They're engaging. And you feel like you're learning when you listen to them. Um, Let me just make a a slight contrast here. Preaching is more aimed at the will of the person. Uh, So, you know, the, the preacher wants to see that person... It might be to turn away from sin or it might be to step up to a ministry role or, you know, it's, it's that transformation desire. The teacher is more about giving information to help you in the journey of making choices, biblical information. You see the subtle difference there? It's quite good, though, from the pulpit to be using a combination of both. Often people who are highly gifted in this area, I remember one of my pastors, Kim Valentine, uh, he was the first senior pastor I had, he could take the most complex of passages and make them simple enough for a child to understand. And my brother John actually has that gift as well. He serves as an elder, a teaching elder in his church. He's never been employed in the ministry but has been very active in the ministry. So he, the pastor regularly gets him to teach the Word of God and he's very good at that too. He'll take complex things and make them simple enough for anyone to understand. Let's have a look at another gift, the gift uh, mentioned in Romans 12.8. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. Gift number four, the gift, the spiritual gift of encouragement. Encouragement. The word here is parakaleo. Parakaleo. Um, it has uh, two sides to its meaning. P-A-R-A. We're familiar with that, aren't we? Parallel lines. Well, it means exactly that. The first part of the word means to come alongside. Second part, keleo, means to exhort, to um, spur on, to motivate. Uh, and so you've kind of got this, this double-sided reality of this gift. The person with the gift of encouragement can come alongside, kind of ascertain where someone's at in their journey, and then have this ability to really encourage them, spur them into the things that they believe God is calling them to be a part of. Great to have encouragers in the church. They make everything feel a little brighter and a little bit more exciting. Encouragers create enthusiasm within the church. Let me give you a couple of uh, explanations here of how it operates. The ability to motivate God's people to apply and act on biblical principles, especially when they are discouraged or wavering in the faith. The ability to bring out the best in others and challenge them to develop their potential. Moving on to Romans 12.8 and the second part of that verse. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is giving, then give generously. The spiritual gift of giving, number five. Uh, Sometimes some of the translations will use the word contributing, the spiritual gift of contributing. Uh, How does this gift operate? Well, let me give you a few definitions here. It's the ability to give generously uh, or to uh, the ability to generously contribute material resources and or money beyond the 10% tithe so that the church may grow and be strengthened or the ability to earn and manage money so that it may be given to support the ministry of others or the special ability to earn money, manage it well and wisely and give for the Lord's work. You notice there... Regularly, there is this idea of the person with this this gift is able to resource significantly the church, and that includes finances. Let me uh, use an example here, Acts 4.36. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement, clearly had the gift of encouragement also, 
sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So here's this guy, see him in action, exercising this gift of giving. He has, a, let's say, an investment property, you know, and he sells the property, and as was the case with the large offerings that were brought into the Church of Jerusalem, he lays that significant amount of money at the apostles' feet. And it, it furthers the work of God within that rapidly growing church. Um, how does this relate to today? Well, you imagine, you imagine. It'll be like someone's got their holiday home. They decide to sell the thing and give all the money into the ministries of the church. Or they've got their investment property and they sell it and give the money into the church. Might surprise you, but people actually still do that sort of thing to this day. One of the things that um, Pastor Stuart Robinson of Crossway Baptist, who was a senior minister when I was working there, one of the things that he would often say is there were a cluster, quite a few people with the spiritual gift of giving at Crossway, and they would give an absolute fortune, and God just kept on blessing their businesses and growing their businesses, and they would give and give, and they could not outgive God. Um, I remember there was this chap in my uh, church, first church, Phil Burfitt was his name. And uh, he, he ran a business, so just selling whippersnippers, lawnmowers and all of that sort of stuff. But he did really well, got some awards um, from uh, the amount that he was selling and that sort of stuff. Um, but I remember Phil, he had this spiritual gift of giving. He used to give very generously to the church, he used to make a lot of money as well. And often um, I was a young believer at Bible college and uh, he'd often come over and see how I was doing and he'd slip a couple hundred bucks in my pocket while he's talking to me. And I thought, I'm going to like this man. I thought. <laughs> Some of you might want to meet him. but <laughs> uh, Moving on. Romans 12.8. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to lead, do it diligently. The spiritual gift of leadership. And, of course, as this gift is uh, functioning within a church, there it does require diligence. You know, um, the spiritual gift of leadership, if it's practiced well, yep. It uh, requires diligence. Let me give you uh, a description of it. The ability to clarify and communicate the purpose and direction, vision, of a ministry in a way that attracts others to get involved. The ability to motivate others by example, to work together in accomplishing a ministry goal. We uh, recently looked at someone who was a tremendous spiritual leader, didn't we? Remember the guy? Nehemiah. We did a whole series on Nehemiah. That guy is a really good example in the scripture who exercised tremendous leadership ability. And uh, you'll remember in chapter 2, specifically that chapter, we see a whole bunch of things that he does that demonstrate that gift of leadership. Let me remind you of the points I made in that chapter. Nehemiah, he received a vision from God. Uh, he knew how to resource the vision. He knew when to share the vision. Time is important. He knew how to research the vision he was not deterred by opposition to the vision. He inspired people to believe the vision and he mobilized teams to achieve the vision. Very much how a leader operates. Romans 12, 8, the last bit of the verse says this, if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The spiritual gift of mercy. I will say I don't know why the NIV keep on translating it Mercy, because it, it does not pertain to sparing judgment. It's not like um, the king of the land, when someone's been poaching trout from his stream, uh, it's not like, okay, this is, you've done the wrong thing, but I will show you mercy. 
It's nothing like that. No, it's about compassion. It means compassion, actually. That's what it's about. Now, let me give you a couple of definitions. The ability to detect hurt and empathise with those who are suffering in the church family. The ability to provide compassionate and cheerful support to those experiencing distress, crisis or pain. You'll notice it actually says that if your spiritual gift is mercy, exercise it with cheerfulness. Because mercies sometimes can be, they can be quite melancholy in their natural personality type. And so Paul's encouraged them, you know, exercise this gift, but do it cheerfully. Do it cheerfully. You know, they're, they're kind of like the oil within the machinery of the church. Um, they, they, they have the ability when someone's hurting, you know, it might be they've, and there's plenty of that going on around at the moment, isn't there? A lot of people that are not doing well because of these extended lockdowns. Um, they're the sort of person who can come along, alongside someone, sit down next to them, you know, and um, as they're chatting to them, they'll spend hours just listening to their problems and their needs. And they love that, absolutely love that, you know, and they're just happy to be a listening ear, you know, and, uh, and they're, they're happy to meet with someone, you know, once a week and spend that three hours just listening to them. You know, and they've, they've got that ability to express compassion as they do that. And there's something of the love of Jesus that just comes through as that's being done. Spiritual gift of mercy. Well, seven gifts we've looked at today. The prophet, server, teacher, encourager, giver, leader, and the gift of mercy. Seven excellent gifts. Like I said, within here there's over 20, so do look at some of these others. We're going to do a bit on this. Next week. Um, why don't I just finish by bringing some of this to life, by perhaps illustrating how those gifts in this passage can operate together. So, for instance, um, let's say someone has been through this lockdown period and it's affected them financially and it's affected their mental health. They're feeling depressed and they've got some financial issues because of it. How would these gifts operate in coming alongside that person? Well, I think you know who the first person would be to start with, the spiritual gift of mercy, the person with that ability of compassion and patience, where they come alongside and regularly meet with someone and they're that listening ear. And that person just feels comforted by being able to just pour out their problems to them and they're listening, taking it on board, feeling with them, empathy is a part of that gift. Good way to start. How about then we bring in the server? Because one of the things that servers are often gifted at is just seeing practical needs met. The server comes in and, uh, you know, it, well, let's, let's say the person who's going through this as a single mum. Server comes in and says, oh, I'll mow your lawns, do the whippersnipping, tidy up the backyard. Or it might be, it might be uh, somebody who's um, the female server and she pops in and uh, says, hey, look, um, they're friends, you've got to remember. Oh, I'm going to sort out your house, you know. Got a few things here you need organising. Let's just get this all sorted up. I can see it's all got on top of you. Let's get the washing done. Let's get the things in order, that sort of thing. They come in and just provide that help. But the third spiritual gift to come in here. Let's suggest the giver. The giver comes in and, uh, you know, remember, these people are all friends. The giver comes in and starts having a chat about the person's finances and ends up saying, don't worry about that, give me those couple of bills, and they just go and pay them. 
And you can see how all the, the, those first three gifts in operation, the person's starting to feel like they're coming out of it a little bit. They're starting to feel helped, supported. Now's the time to bring the encourager in. Don't bring them in too soon. Bring the, <laughs> bring the encourager in. And uh, they, they are actually able to, you know, cheer up the person, have a laugh with the person, and uh, get a bit of music in the person's life. You know, and in the journey of all of that, um, they often are very good at just giving that person the ability to, having come alongside, to spur them on, get them, help them get back on the horse, so to speak. And, uh, and the person suddenly starts to feel, through talking with the encourager, motivation about ministry, about life, about perhaps a job that they've been holding off applying for, whatever it might be. Great gift. Next person to bring in, I want to suggest, is the prophet. Prophet partners very well with the encourager. Often the prophet will come in and have a real word from God. They've been praying about the person. They lay hands on the person. They might even impart a spiritual gift in the person's life. And as the prophet speaks to them, they can feel their faith rising. They can feel themselves stepping out of the place they've been. And through that prayer ministry and that prophetic word, they just take another step in the right direction. The teacher is good to bring in around this time. Because often they have the ability to open up a passage of the Bible and they're just going to share four or five practical points that are just perfectly relevant for that person's journey at that time. And the person feels fed. You know, they feel like, oh, this, is, this has enriched me. This has nourished me. And, and gift seven, let's bring in the leader next. And finally the leader comes in and they've got the big picture of God's vision for the local church or the vision for the community. And they often help the person catch that vision and see where they fit within God's calling on that local church. Got the idea of how the gifts can operate together. And obviously beyond this seven, but this is kind of the idea that as we serve together as a family, it's wonderful when people start using their gifts because they begin to minister one to another. Remember, that's why God imparts the spiritual gifts that we might serve one another. Let me finish with one more illustration, this time a bit more humorous. I'm going to tell you a story about Anne-Marie. I'll use her, use that name as the example. Anne-Marie has seven friends that she's decided to invite over. Now, in the journey of inviting them over, she's uh, decided to do roast lamb. And so she's uh, selected this really nice roast leg of lamb. She's, um, she's basted it in some olive oil and the sauce she mixes with it, popped it in the oven, cut up some potatoes and pumpkin and carrot. And it's all roasting away in there for a couple of hours. And uh, you've got some, got some peas and, and uh, corn on the, on the hot plates. And as that's, that's cooking away, she gets this phone call. And it's for someone who's another friend and uh, she knew that her friend might be going to receive some bad news, and she has. And she thinks to herself, oh, I'm going to have to talk with her. And so um, she knows the meal's pretty much ready. And so she thinks, I'll, I'll just turn it down on the lower setting and, uh, and have a chat with her. So she does and turns the hot plates off. And anyway, um, she's chatting away. Uh, 45 minutes later, the doorbell rings. She said, oh, look, sorry, the guests are arriving. I'm going to have to go, but look, I'll keep on praying for you. Hangs up the phone, and then she smells something. She opens up the oven, and she realises she did not turn it down on low. She turned it on full. It was almost cooked anyway. 45 minutes later, she takes it out, and it looks black. Do we have a... Yeah, something like that. And, uh, 
And uh, let's see how the seven different spiritual gifts respond to this scenario. Let's say the first person in is the server. Amory explains the scenario. Oh, I had this phone call and da 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 and she explains it all and the server says, don't you worry about it. I'll make you a latte. Go and sit down on the couch there and she and brings the latte. And while she's making the latte, she's looking through the kitchen. She's making mental notes of what she's got in her cupboards and her fridge. Next thing, Anne-Marie's having a latte and she's already cooking another meal. You know, she's just got that going. Spiritual gift of service. Or let's say the first person to arrive was the encourager. The gift of the spiritual gift of encouragement. Doorbell rings, first person through, Amory explains the situation, the person with that gift of encouragement comes in. And uh, Amory tells them what, what happens. And they laugh. <laughs> it's really funny. And they go over and have a look at it. And they give it a poke and say, Well, we're not eating that. <laughs> and then they say something like this Hey, you know that new restaurant, that, that Asian restaurant where they throw food at you and stuff and you sit on those mats? Why don't we just all go out there? I've been wanting to go there for ages. I know some of the others want to go there too. Just, don't worry about it. We'll go out and we'll just have some fun at the restaurant. All right, what about the third person? The teacher, the person with the spiritual gift of teacher. First one through the door is a teacher. What are they going to do? Well, the teacher um, has the situation explained to them and, uh, and then while, while um, Anne-Marie's explaining her scenario, uh, they take out their phone for a minute and they're jotting down these things and she's wondering what they're doing. And then, then they show them this list and they say, have you got these ingredients? And she says, um, yeah, yeah. Look, I know this fantastic res- uh, recipe. It's very simple. Let me teach this to you as we will do it together, but let me teach you how to put this together. We'll have, a, we'll have a new meal on the go in no time. All right, what about this one? I wonder what the spiritual gift of giver would do, spiritual gift of contributing. Well, a person uh, arrives, they're the first one through the door, spiritual gift of giving. Anne-Marie tells them the scenario. They sit down with her and they're listening for a bit. And then they say, just a minute, I've got, I've got to make a phone call. And they just wander off to another room. And they're, they're on the phone. Hi, is that, um, is that Epping Thai? Um, you, you deliver those banquets, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, want a banquet for eight? How soon can it come? Oh, half an hour, that's fantastic. All right, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been a quiet night. <laughs> oh, you got the idea. What about the spiritual gift of mercy? What, what's that person going to do? Spiritual gift of mercy. Well, uh, Anne-Marie opens the door and the spiritual gift of mercy person comes through and they say to Anne-Marie, Oh, don't worry about it. We're not here to eat the food anyway. We're here to spend time with you. And, you know, they're just sitting there talking to her. They've got their arm around her and they're chatting away. Next thing, Anne-Marie's crying and they're crying. And it's... (laughs) What about the leader? Spiritual gift of leadership. First person through the door is the leader. And the leader says to Amory, oh, don't worry about it. As soon as people arrive, we'll, we'll get them organised. And so first person comes through after the leader and says, it gets them to set the table. You've got another person there and they're, they're peeling the potatoes and sorting out the carrots. Another person there has found some meat in the fridge and they've got that going. And uh, next, they're all working together and next thing an hour later, there's a meal. It's done. Sorted. One more to go. The prophet. What are they going to do? First one through the door is the prophet. Amory... <laughs> I didn't hear that. Tell me later. <laughs> yeah, I think I actually, no, I think I did catch what you said. Um, and I might, I might include that. That's a good idea. 
<laughs> so the prophet comes through and um, Amory explains the scenario and the prophet says, yeah, let's just, just, just sit down for a moment. Let's pray about this. What's God saying? Yeah, perhaps we should do some fasting together tonight. Fasting in prayer. <laughs> I think that's what Glenn suggested. <laughs> and so they, they want to hear God and what he's saying in the midst of that scenario. And uh, let's get a moment to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. But you got the idea. Each spiritual gift will respond somewhat differently to the scenario. And as the body of Christ, when we're operating together, it's wonderful what can happen. Well, remember, I might get someone, who knows in the office where these all are? Tim, do you want to grab one of the lads to help you carry them all in? Oh, actually, Tom, why don't you go with Tim? I saw Tom wave in his hand. So we're going to hand all these out right now. Take them away with you. And in the journey of taking away, bring them back next week and we'll be talking about spiritual gifts. There's a bunch there, but there's a heap in the office, Tim. There's a ton in the office. Yeah, there's like 60 of them in the office or more. Yeah, just start handing them out. Beautiful. Why don't we close in prayer while they're being handed out? Yeah, worship team members, get them first. Lucy, do you want to give one to Lucy? Wonderful, because the worship team needs to get up. Let's pray. Father, we want to give you thanks, Lord, for the reality of spiritual gifts. We've had a fun look at those today, and we've also looked at some very practical definitions. We just pray that as a church, more and more, we might be exercising the very spiritual gifts that you've given us. For some of us, it will be a discovery of, of learning perhaps a little bit more about how you have equipped us, and for others, it may be just affirming the direction in which you've called us. So, Lord, be with us. Help us to be a church that exercises the reality of following your spirit, using the spiritual gifts you have blessed us with. In the name of Jesus, 